Welcome to week 10 of our origin series. I am Gabe Perez, the youth pastor here at First Presbyterian, First Evangelical Presbyterian Church of Oregon City. Um, this week we are wrapping up the rest of chapter 6, talking about the feeding of the 5,000, uh, Jesus walking on water, and just other amazing things that God's doing and God did. So let's uh, kick back, kick your feet up, or keep walking if you're doing something. Uh, don't drop something if you're holding it. Um, make sure you don't mess up the sentence that you're writing if you're listening to this. But whatever you're doing, uh, I pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's lesson. Father God, we thank you for today. Um, God, we just ask that you would just... Um, Join us in this time. Uh, help us just to focus on you and not be a distraction to others, um, and not even distract ourselves, uh, but Lord, just to focus on what you have for us. Uh, we love you, Lord. It's in your mind, and we pray. Amen. Amen.
just thank you. Um, we thank you for being um, the calm in the storm for us, um, for being faithful even whenever we're not, um, loving us whenever we don't even think twice about you at all. Uh, no matter what we do, Lord, you never turn your back on us. You're always seeking more of who we are and more of our hearts. And Lord, that's all we need is just more of you in our lives. So, God, I pray tonight we would um, remove any distractions from our hearts and from our minds. Even if it's a person next to us, Lord, that we would just stop and focus and listen to what you have for us tonight, Lord. As much fun as we can have here and as loud as we can sing, Lord, we pray that you would just meet us in this place, change our hearts, help us to draw closer to you. In your mighty name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Last week, um, we did talk about um, the, disciples, the disciples going out and doing miracles, right? So Jesus sent his disciples out to go and do miracles and cast out demons and basically go to all the different towns in the area to do these things. And that's what we talk about whenever God moves, he makes waves because he got the attention of Herod, the local ruler there who was all freaked out by what was happening, which leads us to the rest of chapter 6. Um, and one of actually the most famous stories in all of the Bible, even people that aren't really super familiar with it know this story very well. So let's hop into Mark 6, verse 30, all right? So the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. So that's the, all the miracles they had just done. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even get a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot to the other from all towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. So, the Acts of the Disciples and Jesus' miracles obviously attracted a crowd. And as it says, that whenever he gets to the other side, whenever they're leaving from where they were to where they were going, um, there's a large crowd already ready waiting for Jesus because they, they know he's coming. Um, obviously, like I said, he makes waves. It gets people's attention. But it says that when he looked at them, that Jesus had compassion. Everybody say compassion. compassion. But... The question is, why? Why did Jesus actually have compassion? So it says, obviously, he looked on them because they were sheep without a shepherd. But what does that mean? Like, what does that really mean for us? What he's seeing and what the compassion comes out of is he's seeing people that were desperate and people that were searching for hope. They were people that were looking for anything to relieve their suffering, to relieve the hopeless drivel of their lives. They had nothing else going for them besides this one person, Jesus, that all of a sudden could come in and do miracles, do things that no one else could do. They found hope in Jesus, and he actually had compassion on them because he realized how helpless and hopeless the people were. He understood that he was their only hope, and even though his disciples were worn out in this moment, he taught the people about the hope of God that they needed. And this highlights for us that Jesus cares for us. There you go. Highlights for us that Jesus cares for us. 
So we often talk about like, hey, you know, Jesus says don't do this, or the Bible says don't do this, or God says, hey, you should avoid this, or hey, you really should make sure to try and think about these things, or don't do this, right? There's a lot of commands in the Bible, and especially when it comes to Jesus, he says, you know, go therefore, or hey, don't do this, or hey, keep from this. But I want to stop and highlight this very real moment of the fact that, you know, Jesus just genuinely cared for people. The reason that he was going around and doing these things and preaching to people and sharing the message of the gospel with everyone is because he cared for them. He cares about them and he cares about us. He recognized that the the unfortunate reality that these people and all the people of the world, they lacked hope, they lacked peace, and they lacked security without a relationship with God. They were desperate and Jesus' heart hurt for these people. Jesus' heart was heavy for the people that seemed to have nothing good going for them in their life. There was so little that they were just desperately seeking after something. That's why they're so desperately trying to crowd around Jesus for anything. And the amazing thing is that Jesus treats us in the exact same way. He cares for us. He loves us. And he wants to help each and every single one of us too. When our lives are going through rough patches... Or maybe our whole life is a rough patch. Maybe we got hard family life or you know, issues with our friends or issues even just with our own personal desires or wrong choices that we've made or even just struggles that we're all dealing with, whether that be mental, emotional, physical, or spiritual. God desires to help us and he cares for us and wants the best for us, even whenever people don't even believe in Jesus, he still looks on those people with compassion. He sees how helpless they are. Even someone who curses Jesus' name, he looks on them with compassion because they're so lost and broken. And Jesus desires to take away that hate, to take away this confusion, to take away the hurt that people are dealing with. That's exactly why he came, so that way he could take away the burden of our sins. Because he cares for us. He loves us. And he offers forgiveness and grace to all people. To give people hope, no matter what they're facing. So after this situation where it shows that he has compassion when he looks on these people, it says, By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Some people, uh, some people away, um, send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. <laughs> they said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much money on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them all, directed to have all the people sit in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups in hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. 
So if you guys don't know, this is the miracle of feeding the 5,000. And if you guys haven't heard of that, you'd be surprised. If you have heard of that, wouldn't be surprised. But it's a very, very famous passage in here. And the awesome part about this is, is not only does Jesus provide what the people need spiritually, right? He comes upon this crowd of people and he begins teaching them. He's, he's giving the people what they actually need, which is spiritual nourishment, spiritual healing, spiritual food. But he also takes care of their phys- physical needs by giving them food as well. And the disciples actually recognize the limits of the situation, right? He recognized that, hey, this is going to take at least half a year's wages. Then they were thinking about how the heck are we actually going to fix this? But Jesus said, hey, don't worry about it. <laughs> And he took what they had and used it to do the miracle of feeding the 5,000. Five loaves and two fish. Not much food, right? But this is a perfect example that Jesus uses what we have. Jesus uses what we have. So Jesus doesn't say, hey, once you have memorized a certain amount of Bible verses or once you go to church a certain amount of times or once you pray often enough or once you have the right attitude often enough, then I'll start listening to you. Then I'll start doing something in your life. He doesn't say that we have to have be a certain age or that we have to have a certain specific amount of information in order to pray and talk to him and have a relationship with him. The beautiful thing is Because God cares for us, when we cry out to Him in faith, He meets us where we're at. If we go to God and say, Lord, I want to be able to reach out to others, or Lord, I I need help with this, but we don't have anything to offer, we don't have wisdom to share, we don't have the answers to everything, or we're still struggling with stuff, but we go to God and say, God, I need you. I just need you to help me with this. Help me to reach out to more people. Help me to be better in this area. Help me to be more faithful. All these areas, you don't have to have a certain level of faith or have to have a certain level of holiness for God to be able to use and do things in your life. If you come to Him with very little, He's going to take that very little and multiply it into many things, just like He did for the 5,000. The Lord can use even the smallest things. The Bible actually says that He uses the weak of the world to show and shame the strong. Meaning that it's not about having enough for God to use. It's about giving Him what you have so He can use it. It's not about having enough for God to use. But it's about giving Him what you have so He can use it. And Jesus used that little bit of fish and bread to feed over 5,000 people. It says there's 5,000 men that ate there, but more than likely there's at least 10,000 people. So... Imagine how many people that he could feed with five loaves of bread. Tell you what, there's 20 corn dogs I made tonight, and that went pretty quick between about, I don't know, like how many there are of us here tonight. Well, you might think that, but there's no way five pieces of bread are going to fill up 12 more baskets, right? So, again, it shows the miracle of exactly what Jesus was doing. And exactly how amazing he took the very little that the disciples had and the people had, and he turned it into much. So he used that little bit of uh, little fish and bread to feed. Then it says after that, immediately 
Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd, after leaving them, he went up on the mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on the land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them when, he saw him, when they saw him walking on the lake. They thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately, he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down, and they were completely amazed. For they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they landed at uh, Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplace. marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. So, Jesus walks out on the water right by his disciples. And, I mean, I don't know about you, but if I saw some random guy in a dark body of water walking on the water, I'd be freaking out. And I'm sure, I'm sure we can all imagine how weird that would be, right? Because <laughs> they're struggling in the middle of this windstorm or whatever's going on. And all of a sudden you see some person calmly walking on the water. Jesus just Jay chilling apparently. <laughs> I don't know what's happening, but he's 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 not worried about it. Obviously, freaks him out. And yet again, we see that the disciples forgot or didn't realize that Jesus had greater power than they could ever imagine. The disciples yet again failed to realize who the heck they actually were traveling with all the time. They've seen him do a million miracles and do all these things, and they literally just saw him. Multiply bread to feed thousands of people. They just witnessed an amazing miracle, and not but later that same night, and they literally are just like amazed and dumbfounded, as if they didn't just witness him do a miracle a few hours before. They lost sight of all he'd done up to that point. Just like it says in verse 32, their hearts were hardened and they forgot about the loaves. But isn't it interesting, though, as soon as Jesus gets in the boat with everybody, that the storm stops. They were struggling under their own power. And they might try to get through it on their own will, their own, you know, they're, they're struggling with the oars. They had the hard winds against them in their little boat. And it's funny, even before Jesus feeds the 5,000, the disciples tried to solve the issue of feeding everybody by their own means, by their own power. They said, are we really going to spend all this money? Like, how are we going to get enough bread for everybody? And whenever they're out in the boat, they're struggling against the wind under their own power. In both situations, they looked to themselves and their own resources and their own power, as opposed to going to God who was with them. They didn't even think about going to Jesus. And my question for all of us is, is how often do we struggle 
with this very same issue. So often whenever we have an issue or a worry or a stress or some kind of thing in our life or a situation that we jump right into, hey, how can I handle this? Hey, how can I fix this? Or hey, why is this happening? We automatically, when things go wrong or things are hard in our life, we start thinking of ways to solve it, trying to understand it and get ahead or get around the things in our life. We very rarely stop and actually say, hey God, I need your help with this. Because for us as people, we oftentimes let the material world around us trump our spiritual dependency. We think there's a problem right in front of me. Imagine, hey, there, there's a bear chasing you in your house. I don't know. And you're like, holy crap, there's a bear in my house. Oh my gosh. And you immediately think, I got to get the heck out of here. Because guess what? There's a bear in your house, right? It's going to kill you and maul you to death. It's a really, it's a really big problem. But it's not to say that you shouldn't do something about the problem in front of you. But also when you see that, you better cry out to the Lord because you're going to need some help. <laughs> and sometimes, obviously, it's not as extreme as that. But when we face issues in our life, we need to be able to place things in God's hands first. And just like the disciples, our first step instead of trying to fix it ourselves, should be to put it in God's hands. We need to put it in God's hands. Now, that sounds really fine and easy to just say that, right? It's easy to say, put it in God's hands. It's easy to say, give it over to God, right? It's easy for me to tell you that. It's easy for me to say that to you. And for you to say that to somebody else. But actually doing it when we face a big problem is really hard, right? I mean, how easy is it for you to stop freaking out about a situation and say, okay, I'll talk to God about it. When you have really big issues or something that's stressing you out, we need to be able to place it into God's hands because when we place it into God's hands first, we're able to, one, have peace knowing that he's the one who's going to be dealing with it. But also, two, it can give us clarity knowing that at the end of the day, God's going to help us to get through it. Because just because we place it in his hands through prayer doesn't mean the problem's going to go away. But it does mean that God's going to be walking through it with you. You're no longer just trying to do it on your power and your wisdom alone. You're doing it with God, with his power, together with him but the more you try and fix problems in your own life on your own power you're going to be just like the disciples struggling against the wind and going nowhere but the more that we look to God and we let him in the boat with us through our problems and through our lives he's going to be the one that allows us to have peace in the calm of the storm and the thing is for me, like for me, there's been times, you know, I've had to really ask God to step in and do something for me. And there's been times where I haven't really depended on God. It wasn't going that well. So as you guys know, like, I'm a pastor here now for almost three years, like two and a half-ish, a little over two and a half years. Um, but before I got here, I was 
working in New Mexico, and then during COVID, I got let go from my other church. And so I started looking for other ministry jobs. And because I had just gotten married earlier that year, and I was living with my parents because I didn't have any money coming in. I had money saved up, but I didn't have any money coming in, so I was just going to burn through everything. So I got a part-time job, and I started applying for different jobs. And long story short, at first it really wasn't going well. Um, and it sucked because all I was doing was putting out applications, putting out applications, putting out applications. And I was like, I just got to do applications, save up some money so I can get out of here. But Rachel and I also knew that wherever we went after where we were at was going to be a place where we're settling down for a while. We're going to be there for a few years. So wherever we were going to go, it was going to be like a permanent thing for us for at least a while. And so it was a big deal. It was a really big decision that we had. And so because it was such a big deal and because I really wanted to be providing for my wife, I was so focused on just getting a job, just getting a job, just get a ministry job. But nothing was happening with it. I was trying and trying and trying and trying, and I wasn't getting anywhere. And at a certain point, I started thinking that God was telling me that I shouldn't be in ministry anymore. I felt like God was saying like, Hey, Gabe, you're trying at this, but obviously it's not going anywhere. And I thought God was telling me, hey, maybe it's time to just hang it up, try something else. And it sucked because I had to really humble myself and say, all right, well, God, I don't know what's going to happen. And it was at that moment that I realized I wasn't even talking to God about the things in my life. I was realizing in that moment that as much as I thought I was going to God with stuff. I really was trying to do things on my own power, how I wanted them to be done. And in the end, I had to actually stop and say, you know what, God, I'm going to hold my job. I'm going to hold my life with open hands. And I said, Lord, I'm holding it open for you. And if you want to take this job away from me, if you want to take ministry away from me, do it. But if you want me to be in ministry, make it clear. And that was my prayer, was that whatever God wanted for me, that's what I was going to do. And at that moment, when I actually started praying, after about a month or so of looking, sure enough, I had four or five job opportunities. Some in New York, one out here, Oklahoma, one in New Mexico. So I had, and I was one down south too. And so I, all of a sudden, when I actually went to God with the issues that I had, when I stopped relying on my own power to just go and put out applications and, and do this, when I started relying on God and asking God to be a part of the big problem in my life, He not only gave me peace with it, but He affirmed to me again, hey, you do belong in ministry, and I do have something for you, but you just need to look to me to see what it is. And as you guys know, eventually I ended up here. And I've been here for almost three years now. Um, well, it was the one I had multiple jobs that I was looking at, and this is the one I chose um, because I felt like God led me here. And that's ultimately what He's done here has been awesome, you know. And I'm blessed to be here with you guys. But the thing is, I wouldn't be here if I didn't put the problem in God's hands. I probably, to be honest with you, would end up being a, a UPS driver. I had a job being a UPS driver for a while. It was pretty awesome. But God was like, that's not what I have for you. And he led me here and led me back into ministry. And 
just like the disciples, if I had just put it in God's hands first, if I had realized that he loved me and he cared for me and that he can use anything that I have for the better, I would have probably figured things out a lot sooner. (laughs) And for each of us, we have to remember that as well, that God cares for us. And that when we have a problem, when we are going through stuff in life, we can't just rely on our own power, but we need to go to God with it. Because He does have what's best for us in mind. And whenever we do do that, He works things out for the better. Let's pray. Father God, um, we're just so thankful and grateful that you, um, You work in amazing ways. Jesus, sometimes it's hard for us to trust you in the storms. Lord, oftentimes we don't have much to offer to you. We don't have much to use. We don't think that we're all that worthy or that you can do very much in our lives because there's not much that we can give for you to use. But Lord, it's not about how much we can give to you to use. It's actually opening our hands and asking you to use it. It's being humble and recognizing that we need your power. So Jesus, I pray that each and every one of us would not forget how much you care and love us and how much you want to do good in our lives. How much you desire to do amazing works in and through us, not only through our problems, but even through the good times and to be a blessing to others. Lord, we know that when we have a relationship with you, that we are your children, that we are never gone, and that you are the father, the amazing parent that loves us unconditionally. You are our heavenly father that never disappoints us, that is always proud of us, that never looks down on us. God, all all we have to do is just say, Jesus, I need you. I'm not perfect and I just I need I need you please forgive my sins forgive me be the Lord of my life and Lord whenever we cry out to you and ask you for that forgiveness ask you to be the leader and forgiver of our lives Lord you promise that you make your home in us Because you care for us. You want to take our sins away. You want to have a relationship with us. You want to be the heavenly father to each and every one of us that guides us in this life and helps us to have a better life. We just need to give all those things over to you. We love you, Lord. It's in your mind and we pray. Amen. Amen. And there you have it, guys. That is week 10 of our origin series. Hope you all can be encouraged and truly depend on the Lord this week um, with whatever you're facing, whether it be big things, small things, and if there's nothing you're going through that you feel like you're just really struggling with, I just uh, encourage you to praise the Lord and uh, be grateful for that season of peace and uh, yeah, use it to, to praise the Lord and uh, ser- seek out more of His goodness because uh, he's worthy of it all, and those seasons are rare. Uh, but if you are struggling, I, I, I'm i praying for you. Um, we serve a God who's outside of time, and uh, 
I'm praying now, and whenever and wherever you're listening to this, just know um, I'm saying a prayer for you right now. So be blessed, be encouraged, have a good day.